Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. We'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Carol. <laughs> so how has your week been? Well, I haven't seen you. Two weeks you haven't been here because I had Kelsey here last week. Yes. And yes. so you were busy in your kitchen there. Oh, so. and the week before we did like a planning. Yes. So it's been a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I was busy. I mean, um, I I have to put a, a post on Facebook about my week adventure of cleaning out the refrigerator freezer where you throw all the chicken carcasses, <laughs> veggie scraps, <laughs> and roast bones. You couldn't get anything else in there. <laughs> <laughs> and so that all turned into, it was 53 pints of chicken broth, 23 pints of beef broth. And then, and then oh, and then I had bought cranberries before Christmas that I thought I got to do something or they'll go bad. Mm -hmm. And so I made 11 quarts of cranberry juice. And I've never done that. So that's an experiment. So now that cranberry juice has to sit. Yes, I it assume. has to sit four to six weeks. We'll crack okay. one open and see what they taste like. Okay. And you added sugar? Yes, I put a quarter, it was a cup and a half of cranberries and a quart, and then you put a quarter cup of sugar in it, and then you fill it with water, and then you hot water bathed it, I want to say 25 minutes, I'm not oh, sure about time. about right for juice. And I figured if it wasn't sweet enough when we drained it, then we would add a little bit more sweetener. So do you guys drink your cranberry juice straight, or do you mix orange juice Normally in or something? Normally we mix it in with our kombucha. Oh, okay. When okay. we drink our kombucha... We will put a shot or two of some type of juice. And my husband likes uh, like a black cranberry or tart cherry. And so I thought, well, cranberry. I mean, if it's tart, I mean, go great. Cranberries have a lot of, um, oh yeah, you know, antioxidants and good stuff for you anyway. I mean, a wonderful thing to help you if you have problems with, you know, urinary tract yeah. infections and stuff like that. So it's not know, an issue in my life. Yeah, that's not a problem for me either. But I mean, that is something my nursing tells yeah. me, you know, so yeah. that's a, well, that's a the, really the, good Because this is another YouTube made me, not YouTube, um, TikTok made me do it thing. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok and I thought, yeah. Yeah, I saw barefoot and something. Somebody sent me that a link to hers anyway. Yeah. Barefoot and something. I don't remember what her, what Yeah, I don't remember this something. game's, this gal's. Yeah. Should have wrote it down, but I forgot to. But then she said she was going to make a video when you when you go to drink it, you strain it, uh -huh. and you, and she goes and the, you do something. We'll use the cranberries for something else. But has that... she gotten through the four to six weeks yet? Oh, maybe, maybe she, not. Maybe she hasn't gotten. Well, she did hers around yet. Thanksgiving, I think. Oh, well then she should. Well, she should be coming up on it. But then yeah, she's but, a busy homesteading yeah. mom. <laughs> yep, might be recorded, just not put anywhere yeah. yet. Yep, so, I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what she does with the, the cranberries so that yep. she could actually use those. Yeah, she does something with them, she says. And so oh, it's okay. like, hmm, we'll see. Well, I'll that to, should be interesting. I should investigate that this week. Put yeah. it on the list. Yeah, yeah. Put that on. Put that in your planner there. Yeah, yeah. And to, to check and see if she's posted anything yeah. more. So yeah, that's about all the uniqueness in my kitchen. Otherwise, it's just the standard. So you got a big hole in your freezer then? or Yes. <laughs> I took a picture of the empty freezer. But I'm already starting to fill it up because it's like the next day I had a roast and it's like, oh, there goes that. 
<laughs> cut an onion Re- and you put the peels in there. Yep. Yep. Restocking the. the well, and actually, soup, there was so. a whole chicken on the bottom of all that. Oh, that's right. You told me you found a chicken. I'm like, so. going, oh, there's a chicken. In so here. you made you made soup, right? Didn't you? Didn't you? Oh yeah, you I made... did. Oh, that's right. I took some of that broth and made chicken noodle soup because I had deboned chicken in the freezer, another freezer that I wanted to use up, and so I made chicken noodle soup with that. And you know, and then it's like, okay, what's in the refrigerator? That I, so I had like leftover rice in the refrigerator that goes in there. That that's the kind of cook I am. Because like today, I made stir fry for lunch, and those mm-hmm. veggies that we had veggies and dip a couple week a week ago, it's like uh, those need to be used. So we had stir fry today. Hey, that's the way to do it. That way you don't have waste. Yeah, you know, I mean, we and throw enough and they, food out already. Yeah, and they were already cut up mostly. I had to cut some of them smaller, so that made lunch semi easier. You know, okay. I just had, yep. I just had to take a steak out of the freezer and let it thaw for a little bit and slice it nice then i had that my big flat top grill to clean oh, yes yes because i i and my husband made me a flat top grill for my gas stove two christmases ago I, say, I bet it's two christmases already and i love it because when you're doing a stir fry it is you mean it's like you do the meat on one side and i do the veggies on the other side and then i just meet them in the middle and throw a sauce on them and and i'm done and it's easy to clean. You just have a, I just use a bench scraper to throw some water on it and then you scrape it and clean so it. So it's almost like a, what they use in a commercial kitchen oh, yeah. night type thing. Yep, mm-hmm. it is. I've seen pictures. I haven't actually seen it. Because um, I'm trying to think, um, what is it? What's the one outside? What's the brand name of thing grill that everybody uses out? But yeah, I don't yeah, remember. I know I have a milk customer who bought a hog from us and she had sent me a, a picture of, she had used lard from the pig on her well it would be a flat, flat top, top like that and yep. it was a big grill on her deck and she had, i don't know she had yep. a bazillion burgers on there and hot dogs and everything yep. and she says i am going to save so much money and not having to buy olive oil and avocado oil by using the the lard. fat off of the pig that she she converted into that's lard what yep. I, I used was lard yep i use more lard than anything anymore that's awesome going back to our roots yeah, so yeah. it's like, why spend extra money? Because olive oil and avocado oil is expensive. Oh, and it's getting so expensive in the store. I know. Anything. Yeah, anything. Anything is. I mean, for instance, now yeah. we'll move over to my kitchen for a moment. And I've been doing, um, I've, I made a wheel of cheddar cheese. Now, I have been making cheddar cheese, but I've just been making it into curds. But this time I decided, I got my press cleaned up and everything. And so we decided to press this particular wheel. So I made a two-pound wheel of cheddar cheese. And I took the whey off that cheese and Kelsey, Kelsey, here comes Kelsey again. <laughs> she, had, <laughs> she had sent me, hey, if you have whey, try making this um, caramel out of leftover whey. And so that's what I did. I made, I actually made two batches and the first batch was a little runny and you, t- you tasted that yeah, one. Yeah, it tasted good. Yeah, it tasted good. It was just not caramel-like yeah. texture or consistency yeah. is a better word for that. I did it again and let it reduce down a little bit more, and it is absolutely delicious. I oh mean, yeah, this it it is really good, and I'm I'm wondering if I do it again, I might try to reduce it down just a little bit more and see if I can get a little bit thicker. Um, I don't think that would, the what because the one the second batch to use it in your I use it in my coffee, and so it's really good the consistency it is in the coffee. Yeah, I was trying to look for a caramel that you could maybe put on ice cream. Oh you yeah, know, so I, I'd like it to be a little bit thicker. That was my only thing is it because it does reduce down by half. And then you reduce it down by half again. And I wonder if I if I tried reducing it down some more, get it to a little bit thicker than that. I'm not sure. If I continue to make cheddar cheese, I'm going to have plenty of whey. Yeah. So I've got plenty of plenty to, of practice type thing. 
Because otherwise, it would be just something you'd, you would feed it to the pigs. Or it would go to my chickens. My chickens oh, get... You, okay. Yeah, our, our chickens get away from from our stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, it, it's really, really good. And it, it makes a decent amount. But, you know, I don't want to make too much. And then I have all this You don't have all this caramel. <laughs> unless you could freeze it. Yeah, I don't know. It does It does separate. The, the butter in it does separate yeah. out on top. And I don't know... Yeah, what, yeah, it would separate in the freezer, I bet. Yeah, I don't know what that would do in I the freezer. I wonder what you could do to get the butter to stay in it. Yeah, I don't know. I talked to Kelsey, and Kelsey's like, nope, the recipe does the same thing for me, too. Um, not that oh. it's hard to stir it back in. So that was, I thought that was kind of a neat way to use a, a byproduct, byproduct and use it up, and it's something, I mean, I love caramel, so yeah. um, that's not an issue for me at all and to use it up. it doesn't have any funky Yeah, there's stuff. no additives. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just whey and sugar and butter and... I think there was a little salt in there and vanilla. There's, it's a yeah, real pure product, you know, to, so to speak. To cook down more. So you I just might try that. More caramel. caramel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have your house to send stuff to. <laughs> well, now, my guy is now. See, Bob's not a big sweet person. He doesn't uh-huh. eat a lot of sugar anymore. I don't even. Maybe I. I, I don't put a label on it. <laughs> I'm sure if I put a label on it, Ben would probably like you know sample it. Uh huh. Um, and the other thing that's happening in my kitchen is I have started making some ghee again. I know I had talked to you and you were like, well, I've never used ghee because... It's expensive. It's very expensive. And, you know, I looked, I bet two weeks ago, I looked on the Walmart app to see what the pricing of ghee was. And I don't remember what the pricing was, but we were looking this morning and, oh my gosh, I can't believe the price. It has has jumped. It is like $18 for like, what, 10 ounces or... 12 ounces or something like that or so that's whatever. not even a pound yeah it's not even a pound and it's like holy buckets but you know with the price of butter going up yep. that doesn't surprise me that ghee is going up and rich rich actually did some research and he found some stuff that there's they're selling it for over a hundred dollars oh my goodness for and it's not even a pound i was thinking it was 12 ounces oh, or yeah, something how, how like could that you? I, I mean that's probably what i spend a weekend if i, I go to the store yeah i don't know why you'd spend that but you know, I mean, we're we're on butter overload here right yeah. now. We have a I lot of I see the stack <laughs> over there. <laughs> we have a lot of butter right now and so I thought, well, instead of putting more and more into my freezers, maybe I should put some stuff up that's on the shelf, shelf stable, stable yeah. and ghee happens to be one of those things that I can actually do that with. That's what I started doing and I made, I don't know, I'm only doing a pound at a time and I think if I'm going to get a, a going to get out one of my bigger pots and see if I can maybe do a couple pounds at a time. I've tried four at a time and it's too, too much. much. Too much it's fun. too much for how I do it. You can't get a clean product. Oh, to and scrape so, yeah, the foam and everything. Yeah, off. to get all the foam off and all that stuff. And so I just decided I, I would probably try maybe a pound and a half and see what, what my limit yeah. is. I know four is too too much. And four is about a is, is a batch of butter for us. Four pounds is about oh, okay. a batch of butter. So last night I did, oh, I don't know. I have to look back there, but I think I did. I think I did four pounds of butter made it into the ski. I have your ghee right here. That is for you to try. And so you can see how that works for you. But because you don't, you just put a cover on it. You don't yep, have to, you don't have to put it in the refrigerator. And mine sits, mine sits in a jar next to the, next to the to stove. You don't have to hot water bath it, seal it or anything? Nope. nope. Okay. I just, I, you had a plastic lid over here. Yeah. And so I, I did let that cool him, but I was like, oh, I'll just put it through my, my mesh strainer and I melted my strainer. Oh, so needless to say, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Metal strainer. If you're gonna yeah. Do it that metal way. strainer or actually what I, I just got rid of the strainer completely because I had a metal one. And I was like, oh, this is just and I, so I just simply put cheesecloth over the top oh, of the jar the and just went straight through that way. Oh, I'm yeah. like, why do I need to dirty the strainer plus have cheesecloth? It didn't make any sense to me. So I just did straight and it looks beautiful. I know you use a lot of cheesecloth. Do you wash your cheesecloth or do you throw it away? It depends. Now, the stuff I used for the ghee, I will toss. Okay. Because it's it it, it be... just cleaning that is just too much. It's just too much fat yeah, for okay. me to be comfortable with. And throwing it through my washing machine, I just, just can't do that. And so, but for cheese making, I do reuse mine. I do rinse you... it out. I, I put do it you... in a bowl and I put some soap in with it and I just hand wash. I don't put it in the washing machine. Okay. I just hand wash it and then I let it dry. And eventually I'll toss it. Yeah. When it um, gets... Yeah, Gross but it, I mean, it, if you do it right away after you've taken the cheese out of it, whether it be cream cheese or cheddar cheese or whatever, you it's not really that dirty or okay. whatever. And I have, here's my cheesecloth that I use for cream cheese. Here's my cheesecloth that I've used for cheddar and I keep them separate. So I don't. So you're using them on the same product. Yeah. yeah. Because cause actually um, when I placed an order from Culture for Health, I ordered cheesecloth because their cheesecloth, granted it was a sale, was cheaper than buying it at Walmart. I see, and their cheesecloth is going to be nicer. Yes. The stuff at Walmart sometimes is more of a gauzy? crafty. Yeah, yeah it's more gauzy. of a crafty type stuff. And sometimes at least fuzz in your product. Because that's what I used to do. I used to buy the cheesecloth from that I used for um, making cheese and stuff when I did it a long time ago. And I would just buy it at Fabric Warehouse. And it, that was the cheapest place to get it. And it was easy to get. Sometimes would leave strings on my cheese and stuff. So you had to be kind of careful with it. So... You're better off going to somewhere where they sell it, where they actually make cheese or they, you know, their specialties in butter and cheese making and that type of thing, those type of products. So that's a smart move on your part. (laughs) Do they still have free shipping or is that done and done? I don't know. It comes through well, often on and then by the time this me. hits the air, it'll be done. Yeah, it'll be done. Yeah. But yeah, Cultures for Health, they run sales they sell, all the time. Yes, always. All I the mean, time. Yeah, I yep. think almost weekly. Yep. You shouldn't probably ever pay full price full price or shipping there because they always have a special going on for something. Yeah. You know, it might only be on sourdough or, or whatever. But cheese. yeah, if you wait, just yep. be patient and what you're looking for yep. will eventually have a discount code or at least ship for free or something. For those, if you don't know what ghee is, oh, it's yeah. it's clarified butter. I learned about it when we actually milked for Organic Valley at one of our producer meetings. And um, they were talking about at that time they had just built a new plant to do ghee and otherwise they were doing it all by hand. I don't remember everything, but I do remember they said they had one person just sitting there that was actually putting the lids on the jars, screwing them shut and packaging them. And the new plant, it was all automated Automated or whatever. But the one thing they said was, this is how we get rid of our butter that is about to expire that we can no longer sell. So it extends because it's shelf stable and extends the life of their butter and they can put it on a shelf somewhere and it can sit there in the grocery store. It amazes me that this is shelf stable. Yeah, and it it is. When we milked for Organic Valley, we were able to get product at wholesale. Yeah. And I have a box of Organic Valley ghee ghee in my basement and I, because I used to order a case of it and that was 12 jars. I still have a box down there. It's open and there's a few out of there. And we have not milked for Organic Valley since October of 2019. Oh, okay. So it's at least that old. I'm sure if I looked at the bottom of the jar, it says it's expired, expired but, but it is yeah. just fine. Yeah. You know, I don't go by those expiration dates. I don't I either. really don't. Yeah. So, as long as it smells good and looks okay. Yeah. It looks I'll, okay. I'll, yep. It's in same thing when, with my canning things I've canned. As long as that looks good and it doesn't smell funky and it's sealed, I'll use it. Same here. I, I'm not really 
nitpicky about that type thing. So that's how I learned about ghee. And so then after they were talking about that, then I had done some research and that's when ghee came into our household is after that meeting and how I got on the ghee. And then I had somebody else who was like, oh, I just make ghee. And I'm like, it's not hard. It's a little, little putsy, but it's really not hard to do. And, you know, if you have butter that you think is expiring or maybe has gotten older yeah. than you want to in your refrigerator, it works. Well, and like, you know, in the summertime, your cows slow down and you don't get as much milk. So this, then you still have, it's ghee, but it's still a butter. Yep, it's still butter. And, you know, it spreads really it nice. Ghee, the thing about ghee is, is that the ghee reacts to whatever the temperature it is where you're storing it. Okay. So if it's sitting next to the stove and you turn the burner on, it's probably going to liquefy. Okay. And it'll just go hard again yep. after that heat so is gone. like coconut oil. Exactly. It's exactly like that. And it doesn't affect it that it's warmed up and cooled down or whatever. It doesn't seem to change it at all. But I do, you know, that's the thing. So if you have a cold kitchen, your ghee is going to be hard. If you have a hot kitchen, your ghee might be liquid all day long. You yeah. know, um, it all just kind of depends on the heat of wherever it's sitting yep. type thing. So mine always sits in the basement if it's in storage. But we use the ghee and the lard from our pigs. So I, I have both options you have and plenty of fats. In yes. I have plenty of fats in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's my venture right now. I have right now I'm only doing it with the unsalted butter because that's what I read online. Unsalted was better to use, but I have um, a friend who's like, I just use whatever butter I have. If I, if I need ghee, it doesn't matter if it's salted or unsalted. And she says, I can't taste the difference. So I don't know if the salt cooks out with the solids from the, well, maybe it comes you know, out in the foam or maybe something? Maybe it comes out in the foam or comes, you know, or whatever. I, I don't know if it disappears. I have no idea. I don't know what happens to One it. One of those mysteries. Yeah. So if somebody knows what happens to the salt, if you make ghee, <laughs> let us know. Let us know. Go, yeah. go to Facebook yeah, please and comment. Leave, leave, a, leave a comment or whatever and, we'd, and tell we'd us. We'd see it more or we'd see it quicker on our Facebook page, probably. Probably. Yep. And I do have a post on there about ghee. I just did that yep. today. Um, at the time of this recording, anyway, find that little post that I really doesn't say a whole lot about ghee. But if you yeah. know something about the salted part, that would be interesting because that I have not tried yet. I have not tried salted butter yet okay. to make ghee out of. So yours is unsalted, if that matters to you. So now you mentioned to me when we had our little planning, our podcast next episodes and all this stuff you you come up with this you thought we maybe should try doing an herb of the week yes and i thought that was a fantastic idea because for christmas i got the last book of herbal remedies um the healing powers of plant medicine by nicole plain phd and claude davis and I'm a home, old homeschooling mom. Old, old. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old. Through that process, I learned right along with my kids and things I totally ignored in when I was in high school, I relearned as I taught my kids. So you learn by teaching. So for I thought, okay, what better way for me to learn? This is something I want to learn. I'm dabbling my, poking my toes in it and learning herbs and how to make tinctures. And you, your husband, Rich, said something about, well, when you finish reading that book, and I'm like going... <laughs> I'll never finish reading that book because it's not a book. You don't read it like a novel. It's, it's like an encyclopedia. Yes. You know. And yep. so you don't read it. Well, some people do. <laughs> you don't sit down and read a, an encyclopedia like a novel most mm -hmm. times. Right. I'm sure there are those people that do. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, I pick it up and I open it 
And it's like, oh, I have that plant. What do I do with it? How do I use it? It's like um, Black Eyed Susans can be used as medicine. Oh, really? I have those growing all over out here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that will be one of them. But I thought I'd start with something that we all use. Mm-hmm. If you cook it in your kitchen, the odds are you're using garlic. And so here I was going to try, we're going to try to do this. Keep the mic, keep me in mic range so that as I read, as I'm reading, that's okay. the trick. So um, garlic has a strong uh, medical value and it, t- it tastes great at the same time. Most people would benefit greatly by eating more garlic, no matter how good or bad your health. Uh, this guy uses garlics for everything. And I do too. I eat a lot of, I've started eating them. After yeah, I got this you, book. You I, eat it raw and yeah, cooked. Yeah. See, most of the garlic that um, this gal uses, it is found in near, it's in almost every garden, any store. So it's not hard for anybody to get. And garlic can grow just about anywhere, anywhere right? I mean, I've been seeing a whole bunch of stuff coming up in my Facebook feed about growing garlic over winter in your house. Oh, oh my gosh. And I'm I'm not even researching the garlic part. You know, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, here's another one and here's another one. And they're no, all wonder. talking about growing it in your house over winter. Never buy garlic again. This is how you do it. Now, I didn't click on any of those because I've I had a really it. busy week. But I have, a, um, I would see a, that you would need a lot of space because I personally use two to three bulbs a week. I planted about 40 bulbs. That's not enough for a year for me. So mm-hmm. I do have to buy. I'm mm-hmm. done. I've used all my garlic that I grew really and we're with between bone broth and just general cooking and you planted some of those that you right you no, i ended up you, buying you bought bulbs. okay that's right that's I, right I you bought bulbs find because... any at the local nursery and i ended up going to walmart and buying some of their organic bulbs and planting them because then even seed companies i went to order them online and they didn't have any they weren't selling them now, be- see and you talked about you know running out of seeds shortages yep. and all this stuff that they've talked about okay now we got away oh, from yeah. our so, herb of the week okay, so anyway yep. <laughs> yep so you know most people you know to identify it it looks like an onion as it's growing um they have lovely pictures in this book so to help you identify them so those things that you don't because i think i think there's a section in here which talks about foraging in your backyard and so it's like eh, okay. yeah um of course garlic is um edible so you know everybody uses everybody knows about using garlic as a seasoning in their food but for medicinal uses um you can use it internally of course she recommends that people simply eat more garlic in their foods for best results garlic should be chopped fine and allowed to rest for 10 minutes or so before cooking eating it raw is even better so i did not know about letting it rest no i didn't know that i i know if you're cooking with it you shouldn't just throw it in a pan that you should have something else in the pan yep. you know just don't put ghee in the pan and then throw your garlic, garlic in you'll burn your garlic yeah you'll burn your garlic you need to do your onions first or yep. whatever and type thing but i didn't know what about yep. letting it rest yeah, and stuff. oh that's interesting and stuff. She, she goes on and so chopping and allowing time for the sulfurs um compound to develop in the garlic will make it more potent some people complain of the strong garlic smell in the sweat when consuming garlic this is a natural response and indicates that the body is using the beneficial compounds to alleviate this complaint eat fresh parsley with the garlic did not know that that's what i need because i had garlic at lunch and i can taste it i was gonna say because i can smell garlic on you i I, oh yeah i know you had garlic so the parsley oh that's interesting so do you have a do you have fresh parsley in your have, house? Do you have a plant that you just could harvest no, out of? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I mean, I always, I grow it outside and I dry it. Oh, I mean, like, parsley's cheap in the store too, but yeah, but you have to store. buy it. 
Got to remember to buy it. <laughs> remember to buy it. <laughs> yeah. But That's it's fairly easy to keep on the refrigerator. Too. Yes, it is. You just, yep. you just put it, the tip here, just put it in a jar like a vase, mm-hmm. clip the ends off like yep. you would fresh flowers and stick them in some water and change your water out every day or so. So do you cover yours when it's in the refrigerator? Yes. yes. Put, oh, then I then put a plastic bag put over Put a plastic the bag over yep. it. Back to the garlic. Taking dar- garlic as a medicine in general, t- use garlic in any way that best suits you. People who don't like the strong flavor can put it into capsules, but I like the uh, uh, using it fresh and chopped fine or crushed to release the beneficial sulfurous compounds. You can also take it in a tincture. So for those that don't know, as a tincture is usually something made with uh, an alcohol base or glycerin, vegetable glycerin. So the alcohol would is usually like vodka or Everclear. Okay. If you want to go expensive, use Everclear. But vodka, <laughs> usually they say... The cheap vodka is good enough. For people who like garlic, try chewing one whole raw clove each meal or drinking garlic juice daily. Now, I will say chewing raw garlic <laughs> is an experience. Okay. I mean, it is very spicy. And not, and it's it's different than a jalapeno spicy hot, but it's hot. Okay, so you mentioned something about sweating and stuff. Does that happen to you when you eat your... Your garlic? Um, It opened my sinuses up because I just did it because I forgot. Because normally what I do, I'll take it, press it, and then put it on the edge of my plate or bowl, whatever I'm eating. Mm -hmm. And then I eat it with a little food because that takes that sting off you. And it's the sting on my tongue that's most like, (gasps) okay. It's like, and so, but I forgot to put it on my plate at lunch with my stir fry and I was cleaning the kitchen and went, I forgot to eat my garlic. So I took just a couple pieces of <laughs> broccoli out of the leftovers and I chewed quickly and chewed garlic or chewed broccoli to, to get it down. <laughs> but I'm like, I can, I can, if you can smell me, <laughs> I mean, I can taste garlic. So it's been an hour since I did that uh-huh. and I can still taste the garlic in my mouth, even after I put a breath mint in my mouth. Because afterward, I thought, oh, Carol's going to smell well, me. Well, as I say, if I add, if I add garlic to Chastity's, diet at all and then for those of you who don't know she's she's tube fed and so if i add that to her so she's not going to get the flavor yeah. you are but i can it she just it, i swear it's coming out of her pores, pores yep. you know and i know it's really super healthy for her and stuff but there is a point where i have to stop Cut for back. a little bit because i just i can't hardly even work with her because she smells like a garlic <laughs> yeah usually my husband's like um you've had enough garlic for a while it's like okay <laughs> But we'll get to okay. the reason that I'm using it. Okay. We'll talk about right. okay. um, treating viral, bacterial, and parasites infections. Garlic is a potent antibiotic, antifungal, and antiparasitic plant. Use garlic to treat infections of all kinds, including colds, flu, sore throats, bronchitis, stomach flu, and intestinal worms, thrush, yeast, and fungal infections. Use garlic... Uh, preparations topically to treat thrush, thrush infections, and other types of yeast or fungal infections. Spread a paste of garlic on the affected area several times a day and eat garlic regularly to clear the infection internally. So would you think garlic, a garlic paste would work on like ringworm? I would be willing to try it. I just had somebody contact me. What's this on my goat? And I was like, that looks like ringworm. And she's like, how can I treat that organically? Could you put it like a poultice? 
you know, like a paste, make mm-hmm. a paste and put mm-hmm. it on there. And then I don't know how you'd keep it on an animal. Could you put like, like what's that stretchy tape that, that you... That vet wrap. Vet wrap. Well, yeah, they use probably depends on where where it is. Yeah. Where it's located or whatever. But I wonder if you could... Because that. you could apply it, but it wouldn't stay. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how long it would stay on there, but I, that's interesting. But if you're applying it a couple times a day, you would still get some benefits. Yeah, you get some benefits. I don't know if a goat would eat garlic, but you know, to help from the inside out, so oh, to yeah. speak, or whatever. Yeah. But you know, our animals out here that, and we run an organic dairy, a certified organic dairy. A lot of the tinctures and the boluses and stuff that I use on my cattle, garlic is in there. Okay. Garlic is in almost all of them. I mean, in fact, the one, the treatment I use for pneumonia has garlic in it. It has garlic in it. And then, okay, then it goes on. I mean, this garlic is a big, it's got a page and a half here. <laughs> uh, digestive problems. Garlic improves our digestion and is useful to relieve excess gas, bloating, and other di- digestive upsets. Lowers blood sugars and diabetics. Garlic helps lower blood sugar in diabetics by improving the function of the pancreas and increases the secretion of its insulin. This helps the body regulate blood sugar levels and alleviates the problem associated with high blood, blood sugar. To be effective, garlic needs to be eaten at every meal in significant quantities. She doesn't say how much is a quantity. Yeah. <laughs> Adding a couple cloves of pickled garlic to the meal is usually enough to get the full benefits. Pickled garlic. Yeah. Pickle. Now, do you do gar- pickled garlic? No. Okay. I... So is that where you put it in just, I've seen it where it's in like oils. I don't yeah. know what pickled, pickled garlic is. Not saying that I haven't seen it in the store. I mean, that doesn't sound foreign to me, but I don't know if I've ever researched it. Yeah. So she said two cloves or he yeah. said... She, she, okay, she. Well, it's a she and it. It's a do- it's a female doctor and a Claude. I never see a picture of him, but okay. I always see her. Um, so yeah, she says just two cloves a day. Two cloves a day, not per meal. Add in a couple of cloves of pickled garlic to the meal. To the meal. So, so each meal. Each meal. So six cloves of garlic. pickled garlic. Or that, at least that, she says pickled that's there. That's more than I eat it. <laughs> uh, bronchitis, whooping cough, congestion of all ca- causes. Garlic has a strong decongestion effect and expectorant action. It is a it is useful for maladies where phlegm or mucus is a problem. Garlic also reduces fever and kills off the underlying infections. It is also helpful useful for bronchial asthma where the breathing passages have swollen, making breathing difficult. Oh, see, now asthma is a thing we deal with because Madison has, has asthma. asthma. And that it is not something that she is takes medication for and regular she only uses emergency so inhaler but that's that's also interesting yeah so I know, <laughs> also yeah. i'm over here going that's interesting <laughs> yeah well i know i see that's where i've used you know if i get a cold that was always when i would eat garlic okay to help open the nose mm-hmm. and 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 be able to cough stuff out um here's the reason i'm using it, it alleviates well not cholesterol it alleviates um blood cholesterol levels and blood pressure I have high blood pressure, and so garlic effectively lowers blood cholesterol levels and blood pressure when consumed. And so that's what I'm trying to do is to remember at least once a day mm-hmm. to eat a cup of cloves. Do I, you know, I have not checked my blood pressure to see if it's lowered it any more than it was, but that's why I'm doing it. I figure everything I can do is a health benefit. Are you still taking your medication? Some of it. I, okay. I cut back a little bit, and so we're, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to wean myself off my 
pharmaceuticals. We'll see. We'll watch and see if that's because part of it is being able, I need to renew my prescription if I'm going to keep them. But to go to a doc, just for me to walk into the doctor's office, because we don't have health insurance, is to, at least a year ago, was $250. I bet it's more now. Yeah, for them to take your blood pressure and go, here you go, here's your script. Yeah, for 10 minutes of being with the doctors, $250. I think my husband's in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like really? medical medical is so expensive. Yeah. It is so just, so if so I can insane. help control that without pharmaceuticals because when I went on blood pressure, they oh you got had blood pressure, here's here's some medication, just take it. No no talk about well they talked about oh is your stress levels high? I'm like, well I'm self employed and I'm homeschooling full children. Yes, my levels. Oh you need <laughs> to a little bit. you need to like work on your stress. I'm like, Well, that's not changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And so they just automatically put me on blood pressure medication. No, no talk about how can we, what can we change or what can you change in your lifestyle? And so now I'm trying to fix those problems. I'm trying to reverse it and right. go back and see, okay, is there anything naturally that I can do to alleviate this? So I'm a, I call myself the experiment of one. Okay. This is what yeah. I'm hoping to work with on yeah. myself. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it, the good thing is, is that you don't mind taking garlic. You know, that's, that's not a thing. Sometimes but, I know, feel bad for the people around me. For me growing up, my mom didn't use garlic in our house. Oh. If we used garlic, it was garlic salt. Garlic clove would be totally foreign, something foreign to find in, yeah, in you know the, you say the that? house I grew up in. I don't remember having it in mm-hmm. my house growing so up. So for me, I have to remember to use garlic. garlic yep. And we like garlic. You have to remember to use it. Yep. I mean, I have garlic cloves all over the place in this house, but it's like, I don't always remember, you know, yeah. you need to throw that in the chicken soup. You need to throw that in the, it yep. was in the beef stew last night, you know, or whatever. Well, I'd, I'd remember it in a recipe. If a recipe called for it, I'd have it mm-hmm. and stuff. But now I have it in just a little, little dish on the counter. I have it right out in front of me all the time because I'm a out of sight, out of mind person, mm-hmm. unless something's reminding me to do it. And so I'm trying to keep it there in front of me so that I see it, that I'm always pushing it around, getting it yeah. out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Nuisance reminder. Yeah, so yeah to speak. it is. <laughs> yeah. That's mm-hmm. a lot of things. But you know, if you're trying to use it for a health reason, yeah. you need to have it there so yeah. that you You got to remember to do yeah, it. So that well, you, she said consistency. Yeah, consistency. So, yeah. Which so, is, you know, a lot of that is with, with your even homeopathy and yep. essential oils and all that kind of stuff. I yeah, mean, they're not a one and done type yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not. We just we just take it for the ten days like an antibiotic, and then we're done, and yeah, everything's no. fixed. And your your body needs to build up a resistance and get this into that system so that it can fight and you know that type of thing. And so it's kind well, of retraining yourself. Kind of, I like that too, is because it's not like a, you know, there's so many resistant um, bacteria to antibiotics nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because even it was like, okay, my son, um, he got third degree burns back in 2016 and he was in the burn center in the Twin Cities and he got a resistant staph infection and that was bad. He had to go on souped up antibiotics and one of them, one of them was so strong, it burnt, the new skin that he was growing fell off again. We've definitely abused yeah, and so abused antibiotics in this, at least in this country. And so you know, this is where I'm going back to. It's but like food is medicine, and you got to rethink that. You might not be able to fix everything because there is a place for medicine. Yes, there, there really is. is. You know, if you can take care of blood pressure by simply eating, eating garlic, garlic, or or you know, or ring, if you can take care of ringworm, yep. without some strong antibiotic Antifung- cream, yeah. yep, antifungal. So, but to go on, it says corns, warts, and acne. For corns, warts, and acne, rub a paste made from the fresh smashed garlic 
on the affected spot, garlic actually softens and smooths the skin and kills the bacterial infection causing the problem. Wow. Like, Corns and warts. Is, yeah. Or acne, I'm thinking. <laughs> Teenager goes to school and he smells like garlic, which yeah. is worse. Yeah, smell like garlic bread. <laughs> you either have acne or you have garlic skin. It's like, okay. Oh, that, that, that is... It's very interesting. Wow, so is... she gives us a couple recipes for our garlic infusion. Chop or grind garlic cloves and allow them to rest for the 10 or 15 minutes. Before continuing, place the garlic into a hot, into a pot and cover with water. Heat the water gently to a simmer and then turn off the heat. Allow the garlic and water to seep overnight. Use two to four milliliters of this infusion three times a day with meals. Keep the infusion in the refrigerator for up to three days or in the freezer for up to a month. And then she has a garlic tincture too. Okay, chop a cup of garlic cloves fine and allow to rest for 10 to 15 minutes. Place the garlic in a pint jar with a tight fitting lid. Cover the chopped garlic with apple cider vinegar, preferably with the mother, and allow the jar to seep for four to six weeks. Shake it several times a week. Take one tablespoon of garlic tincture with each meal. So there's our herb of the there's week. There's your the herb of the week. Boy, that, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a miracle herb almost. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's It really covers a lot, a uh, very broad, wide a range, range of, of, of issues, ailments and type of yeah. thing. That's that's interesting yeah, that's and, it, of, and it's something that everybody can get yeah you, it's easy to get it's easy to get garlic maybe not if you're trying to grow it but yeah <laughs> um it's growing enough to, for yeah. as much as you need yeah i didn't realize i mean i know it's a it was a really powerful herb yeah but i didn't realize it was quite like that yeah so it's like that that is very interesting yes that's so absolutely. so that will be our new thing for okay. all of us to learn together so if you have an herb that you'd like to hear about or learn about because i'm we'll i'm getting if... i'm checking out other books from the, i check out books from the library and then i buy them that's that's the way i do it going because sometimes you're like everybody's like yeah this is a book and i'm getting going mm, i'm not getting as much out of this book as every you know i've got mm -hmm. better books yep so, so okay so anyway all right so yeah if you have a favorite herb or um you want to learn more about an herb we can research it and we can make it Herb of the Week. Let us know if you like this feature or not, if you want to learn about yeah. herbs. City homesteaders and country homesteaders. That's, I look at it, that's one way that we can help ourselves and mm -hmm. our animals, if we have animals, to use the land as much as we can. Yes. And yeah, if you can treat something more naturally, why not? So now we'll take a break here. Family-owned PeteCoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store, PeteCoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Mirico, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PeteCoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O-Supply.com. PeteCoSupply. And we're back. All right. Okay, so Jamie's going to take over now, um, and she's going to, we're going back to gardening again. It's we've, that time of the year. Yep, we've talked about getting your seeds. Planning your garden. Yep, and planning, planning your, your garden. Getting your seeds. Yep, getting your seeds. So now you got your seeds. What are you going to do with them? You need to decide if you're going to start your seeds inside, if you're going to buy, start your plants at the store, the nursery, or you're going to direct seed. You know, oh, yeah, direct seed. Yep. Direct seed into the grounds, because some things you can start in the, ahead of time. And some things you can just start in the ground. And I do both. So first you need, uh, we covered this in the last podcast, but we'll do it again. You need to find your last frost date in the spring. 
And for us, that's around May 4th. If you don't know what yours is, the Old Farmer Almanac website, you can go in there and plug your zip code in and it will tell you your zone, your frost date. They'll give you your altitude. I did not know that until I was looking around. Oh. And so so that's that's if you're going to be pressure canning in this summer, this fall, you need to know what your altitude is. So if you need to increase your pressure when you're uh, um, when you're pressure canning. Oh, yes. Or even Good point. Some, even times sometimes hot water bathing too. You'll have to pros- uh, process a little longer okay. because of your altitude. Okay. And so or elevation, elevation. 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 Uh, elevation, yeah. And stuff. That's, so that's, that's where you're um, for. And then you uh, figure out which seeds need to be started when. And um, the best place to get that information is the back of your seed I was packet. just going to say, I was going to say, even on the back of the seed thing, it tells you sometimes what yeah. zones and stuff, doesn't it? Sometimes yeah. I, sometimes it has a picture of the United States on there. We're talking the United States now. I don't know yeah. about other countries, what they do, but <laughs> I do know the packages have. Or if you're flipped to the opposite end of the earth, I... Yep. Don't know. I'll help you if you're in, in Africa or South America. Sorry. Yeah. But anyway, so, so yes, they, they, that pack, they, they have information on yeah, there. They'll that you tell you, use. they'll tell you what zone you are or, you know, no, usually it'll tell you um, to start two to four weeks before your last frost date. And so that's why you need your frost, last frost date. Um, and there are very low tech ways to do it. And that's the way I've done it up until a year or so ago is you just take a calendar Go to your bank here in the United States. You can almost go to every bank <laughs> and get a free calendar this time of year. And our banks are actually throwing them at you. Yeah, do you need like, a calendar. You need yeah. a calendar because they have so many. And so all you do is look at your seed packet. It's this is a little time consuming, consuming process. Is you look at the back of your package, you look at your tomatoes, and it says four to six weeks before your last frost date. So you find your frost date and you count back four to six weeks. And I always go the six weeks because then if I'm done on the ball. I got two weeks leeway. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then I write down there, tomatoes, start tomatoes, March, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, so then you make your list. So the Mar- the first week of March, you need to do this. The second week of March, you need to do that. And so you do that with vegetables or if you're like me, you got flowers thrown in there too. Because actually um, this year I want to grow onions, but onions are a hundred day long. Oh, they take a okay. hundred days to mature. And actually, I'm going to start because normally I would start. I would go to the nursery and buy pre-started. Pre, I wouldn't buy sets. I would buy pre-sprouted or pre-grown um, onions. And sometimes I would lose uh, probably about ten, maybe fifteen percent of those because if I bought them with intentions of planting them and get, you know, it's like okay, I can plant these Saturday, but then Saturday's weather is not favorably. They have to sit and wait until it's warm enough and dry enough for me to plant them and so they'll sit and you're not supposed to set them in water or you're not supposed to replant them in a pot and so you will lose some so with starting my own i'm hoping to be able to just to pull them out of the seed pot, out of the seed tray and then break them because onions you can pull them apart and rough up the roots and they still grow Okay, because see, when I planted onions, I've always bought like the set of fifty. Yep. You know that you're, that's not what you're talking about. You're the talking, plants. Yeah, I, well, they're you know they're a dried. Bundle. They're they're a bundle of those. Is that what you're talking or, about? Or you mean like the little onions that didn't grow much last year? Onions. There's onion plants, and then there's onion sets. Onion just, onion plants looks like a green onion. It looks like a bunch of green onions. Okay, 
that's what I've done, but they're dry. Kind of, sort yeah, of. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're not totally dry. Yeah, but they're like dormant. Yeah. Would be a better word to. Yeah, to, but if, and if you leave them set around, you yep, will lose them. Yep, they will. They will go. But that's how I have always done yep. onions. I've never tried doing seeds. I've never tried um, I, any of that. Growing up, we always did sets. Now, onion sets that they are onions that were grown and then pulled and allowed to dry. Okay. And so when you plant them, though the, you're growing a second year onion and you run the risk of them sprout, uh, a blooming and the bloom, the plant will send energy into making that flower and you won't get a bulb. But if you're looking to save onion seeds, that's the way to do it. But you can only have one, you know, back to you can only have one variety. Otherwise, you will end up with hybrid. <laughs> That makes sense. Yep. So if you have two different types of onions, you're going to end up. So with you a... don't want to have red onions and yellow onions. No, you want to have just one. Okay. And unfortunately, living in town, what are my <laughs> neighbors growing? <laughs> yep. Plays a big deal into yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good point. So I have a neighbor two houses down that they have a garden and they would have onions there. I think I've never gone over to the garden and said, oh, what do you got going? Mm, yeah. I'm not that good of a neighbor with them. <laughs> Otherwise, they're the only garden around me. So I could probably get away with. Okay. I might risk it. Yep. And I might huh? try it this year. So that's, you know. A fun experiment anyway. That's where, you know, so you got the low tech. But then there's the tech, high tech way that we talked about last time. We talked about the, my uh, Seed Time app, which mm-hmm. is, and I forgot to say, it's a web-based app. It's not where, it's not an app that you can download from Google Play or Apple Store um, yet. They're hoping to in the future. But if you have a browser, the way I use it on my phone is I have my browser, my internet browser on my phone, and I just have I'm logged into their website on my phone. So you need to be connected to an internet. Internet yep. data, something yep. you need to you yep. need to be to be able to use that. And okay. we can put a link, I'm assuming, Rich. Yes. I'm down sure in we the can. Show comments like we did last time. And so that's that's how I'm doing it now is and it tells me it's like I plugged in my frost date and everything and it tells me this is when you need to start this is the week that you need to plant this seed and then it will tell me when i need to plant that transplant that outside okay so here's a question so you go in there and you're like okay i'm planting onions you know or, or i need to start my onions and it tells you you need to start it on february 14th i'll just pick it yep. up pick a date you put that in there and you're like does it have a reminder so that something pops up on your phone that says hey it's february 14th did you know you're no, supposed to plant you your got, seeds you need to if you need to actually go in there and, and look. look but it has okay. a to-do list it has okay. a to-do list, to-do list that you can pull up and say this week you need to plant your onions Start your onions from seed, you know, start parsley is another one you got to start in February. It doesn't hook up to, it doesn't hook up to your, calendar. like your Google calendar no, or that whatever. that would be really nice. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I have stuff that comes through on mine, you know, some yep. of my bills and stuff. And if I get an email on it, Google picks that up and goes, hey, you know what? Your electric bill is due on the second yeah. or whatever it is. And wouldn't that be handy? That would be handy. I will suggest that to them because they're always looking for suggestions. Yeah. I mean, just just a thought, you know, yeah. that, you know, if you don't open up the app and you're not yeah. thinking about, oh, gosh, you know, gosh, it's all, you know how time gets away from you. Yeah. Yep. You know, and you're like, oh, crap, it's already, you know, oh, I should have done that. Maybe if you. And, and so, so it depends on it. You know, some people I've, I know that they do both. They will have a paper. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of that way. I probably won't do a paper one this year, but I will probably print out a to-do list. Of, and then I may manually put a reminder in my mm-hmm. calendar that right. it's like check your, you know, but that's comes back to 
schedule. I mean, what's your schedule or your planner? You know, mm-hmm. you put a reminder in your planner and your account, you know, check your seat app. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, I mean, there's ways to be writing, but what, how handy would that, that be? Would be? Yeah. You know, if you, you, if you get the information plugged in there, yeah. that it sends and you, you a little reminder. By, you can put tomatoes and then you can sub, you know, varieties. So like if you have different varieties that you want to because not all tomatoes grow use the, the same, same, no. same, you know, just it. You would probably start a station here. Listen to me. I'm <laughs> you're, out, you're out in the barn there, girl. So they're all different maturity dates, but you start them all pretty much the same time from seeds. Because okay. that that's talks about getting them ready to go outside. When we, and usually a maturity date is from the time you transplant them. For tomatoes, anyway. So See, I've always, I've always, well, I shouldn't say I've always, I've, I've actually tried growing seed and stuff like that i've done i've done it a couple of times and my second yeah my second year definitely went better than my first year oh yeah but yeah you know um but for me it was just easier to buy the plants yeah yeah and that's okay too there's nothing wrong with that that, but if you're looking to do seeds yeah jamie's gonna tell us here um, yeah i'm gonna say if this is your first year gardening (laughs) this may not be where you want to start because I mean, if this is your first year garden, I would go to your local nursery and ask them varieties and stuff about ask. They're there, Learn. To, yeah, they're there to answer your questions and stuff. And um, you may not get any if you go to a big box store. You may not get as much help from your local nursery. They're very knowledgeable, and that's their business. They want to help you, and they want you to have a good thing. But to start, but you're very limited at a nursery and a box store with varieties. Yes. So if you're wanting to branch out into different varieties of plants, that's when starting your own seed is awesome. Yeah, because not always do they carry the heirlooms and yeah. the you know the zebra striped tomatoes yeah. and you all know the funny color. Yeah, all, yeah, they taste all, great, but yeah. it's like, but you don't know, you don't use. Yeah, there's find, not enough demand for them, so you're not going to find them not, there. They're, they're, their business is to make money, and they're not going to make money on those. Right. There's not as high as much demand for them. I can see. Yep. And so, but anyway, so one consideration you need to start with is, do you have the space to do this? And what equipment do I need to start this? Starting seed that takes some space. Space and time. It's like having a two-year-old that you got to take care (laughs) of. A baby, toddler, baby. So you need your seeds, of course. And so hopefully you have your seeds bought already or they will be coming soon. Um, And don't, uh, don't plant seeds that don't like to be transplanted, like a corn seed. You can't, corn will not grow from a, you can start it and stick it in the ground, but it's not going to be real happy. It's going to get shocked and it's going to be set back. You know, that's like a really good point that some just, you you need to direct sow. There are some things There are some plants you're just better off direct sowing, waiting until it's warm enough and then just planting them in the dirt. Uh, And then you need a place to put, so you need a place to put your um, seed trays, be it a shelf, a windowsill that's got a wide ledge on it. Um, and if it's a window, it needs to be a window that gets lots of sun. So I would suggest south, but then you want to make sure that it's not too cold by that window. If that's where you're going to put it, you know, windows, it can work. It's a little more struggle with a window because you can't control the light because there's going to be days there's no sun, you know, and if it's a draft, if you hundred year old house and you haven't replaced the windows, they could be drafty and that draft will stunt your plants too. So that's a consideration. So, so you want it warm too. So if you're going to put it by the window, is it warm? So that's the draft things. Mm-hmm. And is it going to get enough light? Or you could use or shelving or um, heat mats to help germinate. I've said before that um, I have a uh, hot water heat system in my hundred year old <laughs> house. And so I have wide radiators that I use as my heat mats until depending March 
if it's getting warm enough outside and my furnace isn't running, then I don't have my heat mats. <laughs> <laughs> so then I have to bring out my heat mats and use those to germinate my seeds. It's because the most seeds want it to be warm to germinate. So, yep, that so that's a sense. consideration. And so then once you do have, you're going to have need lighting. So if you're using a south window, fine, great. That works too. Um, but then, well, you need a, a source of light. I use just shop lights, four foot shop lights that my husband now has put LED lights in. And I'm going to, and that works great, except for the shelving unit. I'm, I'm using a cheap $15 shelving unit when we bought it probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And the four foot shop lights are bigger than the shelf. <laughs> and so it was really hard to raise and lower them. So I'm buy, I'm going to buy some different ones this year that, that you don't have to, because they're LEDs, you don't have to move up, move them up and down, they say. I was going to say, because that's what we did. We used shop lights and Rich just built like a, a four shelf out okay. of scrap lumber. We did that and we had chains yep, so hanging can... so that we could move yep. that up and down. Because after the first year, I learned that you need to put yep. your light very close. Otherwise, you're, you're going to get leggy, your leggy yep. plants. Yep. yep. And you'll well, talk about that yeah, later. We'll talk about that later in a bit. So, so you don't have to be, you don't have to, because if you go on Amazon, you've got the gamut of grow lights. If you type in, and it doesn't have to be nowadays because of LEDs, it doesn't have to be grow lights. I mean, it's just, it's got to be a, a broad spectrum, full color light and i did watch a video i would but, I, yeah i would think you'd want would no, you want said, a light that was daylight the equivalent yeah of but daylight. The, it's like warm but, and, you know it's warm yeah and, you know warm and yeah it was he talked about the spectrum of cool. lights and stuff okay. he wanted a more blue light but it, you more blue than the other you know you want a wide spectrum but and so that's so you need to you need to look into that. So research, you know, this is what I have come up with um, for this. When we said let's cover this, and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, yep. I do this. How do I do this? So when you take your practices and have to put it on a paper to translate to somebody else, it's like, so that's that's one thing. You you have to look at your lighting. You have to have some lighting. So we're just going to say have some lighting. Do some research. Yep. Do some research on what's going to work best. And having the LED because I kept my lights on. All the time, I yeah, think. Six, 12 to 16 hours is okay. what, what they say. Okay. I, I have mine on for 12 hours and I have them on a timer because I have them come on at like six o'clock in the morning and then going off at six, seven o'clock at night. And that's, so that's one thing I don't have. I don't have to run in the basement to do that because I'm not out of bed at six o'clock in the morning, guys. I have no cows but yeah, but to then you got to try to remember to. Yeah, that would know, turn it. So you have to remember after you go to the bathroom to go downstairs and turn those lights on. Yeah. See, I'm reading my notes here. So it's like okay, tray, uh, the trays, you need the trays to put your seeds in. So those, I mean, you can um, you can buy seed trays like you'd find in a, you know, at a box store or nursery, or you can recycle something. I mean, my first years, I used plastic meat trays that I had rinsed out. And I just, you know, put... Um, Seeds, sprinkled seeds on them, grew them. And then later on, I did separate them and then put them in bigger pots. Um, and then there's, um, I have a wooden dowel thing that I bought from some seed company that I can make paper pots out of newspapers, newspaper strips. Mm -hmm. And so there's things like that. Now, that one where that's a type of thing where you can just drop that whole thing in. You don't even have yep. to disturb yep. your plant at yep. all. And I, 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 cut a bunch of strips and then I sit and do this in front of the TV and I just throw them in a paper bag. Mm -hmm. And when the paper bag, usually a full paper bag is enough for what I need for the year. Things like that. If you can do it like low cost, um, I've heard people you doing toilet paper rolls. Um, I've did, I've did that, but I did not like, they didn't seem to hold up as well. 
I've heard of people using egg cartons. Yeah. Not the styrofoam ones, the, but the paper ones. And you would have to fairly, you would have to pot those up fairly quickly because you look at how much soil's there. Yep. So if you're starting these pots in March, the end of March, beginning of April, that's six weeks for a tomato. That's six to eight weeks that it's got to survive in that dirt. And if that's not enough, you need, you're going to need to put, bump them up into a bigger pot at some point in that and six weeks. That's one of those where you can just, you can put drop the it whole in. thing yep, in there. You can you, drop it all in there. It'll just decompose. Yep. Yep. Which is, I like, which I like. And that's how you can do some of those plants that don't like to be transplanted, like cucumbers or squash. If you start them in something like that, it is much easier to transplant them. Because you're not disturbing those You're roots. not disturbing the roots, but I still would not do corn. <laughs> yep. There are some things that you just, you start in the dirt, like peas. Peas don't transplant very well. Okay. Because as they grow, they get tangled. And to bring them apart and separate them, oh, you yep. rip the plant and you basically and you just, kill your plant. Yeah. Uh, and then you need your starting mix. Um, I use a sterile seed starting mix because the companies, I use an organic one. And those have been sterilized so that they, I'm sure, I don't know if they bake them or how they ster- sterile. I have no idea. But you they've killed so that's kills the fungus and stuff in it because because of the dampness that you have growing and you're indoors, um, you you would have you have less chance of a fungus growing on them and killing your seedlings. Jill Winger from the Prairie Homestead website. Um, she uses regular now she uses regular potting soil and she had an issue last year with her potting soil not having enough nitrogen and she lost 150 tomato plants and had to start over. Yeah. So, so I use that. And then about two weeks into it, I will start fertilizing with a fish fertilizer. And a well, what? A fish? Fish. Okay. It smells a little bit guys. It smells like fish and yep. stuff, but it's a really good, um, a lot of nutrients in it. And so, so those seedlings, after they get up a little bit, there's not that much dirt there when you're starting them. So they need to be fertilized and given food. So you said two weeks? About two to three weeks, I will start fertilizing. Start fertilizing. Because, you know, the seed, the seed has the the nutrients in that seed for that plant to pop out and start growing up to its like first true leaves. I would start fertilizing after that. And then um, another thing is you need to have a fan. You need to have a fan of some sort. I like an oscillating fan. Or if you're using a box fan, you need to rotate your plant because growing in, it's like uh, growing them inside. There's no stress on them. You know, stress makes all of us stronger. (laughs) And so blowing, having a fan that blows on, on your plants, it puts stress on the stems and it makes the stems stronger. Where if you don't and you take and put it outside, they can't take the elements outside. And so then they will more likely die on you. So you need to have that fan. And it, then, then it also helps with a fungus. It helps dry out the surface of the soil. And so it'll help control some of the fungus. But then you've got to be careful that it doesn't dry it out too much. So okay. that's where they're, they're, they're a baby. They're a toddler. you yep. got to watch yep. them all the time. Yep. Oh, and then you need a way to water your fertilizer. I was your, just going to say watering. watering. Your, um, I use a weed sprayer that has not had any chemicals in it. Because it, when you're planting, it has that fine mist. So that you can mist your seeds down, but not blow them out of the sails. Mm-hmm. And so, but then once they get growing, then I have a watering can, just like a house plant watering. And then I water them from the bottom once they're up and growing. I love the weed sprayer for keeping the surface moist so that they will germinate. So you're just spraying a little bit yep. on instead of watering them. Yeah. You're, and you're so, misting them. And then I like it because you pump it and you hold it. Whereas I was using a, uh, a spray bottle. 
And if you have a lot of trays, your hand can get tired. I would imagine so. so yes. So that's the thing. Um, and so I'm going to, this is the way I'm going to, I thought, uh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to, I'm just going to say it the way I do it. Got to have a place you can make a mess. Okay. So if you're not going to want this in your kitchen, don't start it in your kitchen. I do it in the basement where it doesn't matter mm -hmm. that, that it's cement floors and it's easy to clean up. You know, we have a craft table. Spill water, most likely. Yep. You can have dirt, fertilizer, stinky fertilizer. Stinky fertilizer. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, have a place you can do that. And so, you want to start out, you want to start out and get your um, seed starting mix moist. You want it moist. So, the way I do, you pour water on it and, you know, you just like how you test your garden to see if it's the, the soil's too wet. You take a handful of it and squeeze it. And if water runs out, it's too wet. You need to add more dirt in it and take some of that moisture out of it, out of the masses. Or you, but you want to squeeze it and you want it to hold together, but you want it to break apart real easy. Because okay. you want that, you want that soil moist for the seeds to be able to germinate. So then I take that soil and I filled my, my seed trays, whatever I'm using. And then you want to lightly tap it down. You know, I poke it in with my fingers. You don't want to, you know, pack. pack it down, but you want to tamp it down so there's not a lot of air pockets inside it. And so then you plant your seed and the way I plant my seed is I poke a hole in with my finger or a pencil, depending on the size of the seed. And then you um, put your seed on there and then you sprinkle a little dirt or you either push a little dirt over it or you sprinkle a little bit more dirt. And then I've one gal that I watch um, on YouTube, she has started using vermiculite on top of her soil to help with moisture retention. I'm glad I have somebody that sits and listens to me. <laughs> it's the way. And then um, I usually put two to three seeds in each cell, depending on how old your seeds are, not every seed may grow. And so I always put a couple in there just to, I don't know, guarantee or have Hope. better odds yep. of getting a seed to grow in each cell. And if you get a cell that a seed doesn't pop up, just, you know, if it's been a week or two and nothing's grown there, and if it's really a big concern to you, just poke another seed in there. It will just be behind, be behind a little bit, but it'll catch up eventually. Mm -hmm. And so, so the, don't stress if you have a cell that doesn't grow, don't stress about it. Label your stuff. So you can either buy pre-made labels. I usually plant by the row in a, in a tray. And, um, I, my favorite thing to use is an old mini blind that the string is broke on. And then I take them, cut them into the length that I want and then slice them in half. So they're small and I can stick them down in each cell and then put my dome over it. For when I want to see, so my humidity a dome over them, and so I know what each row because um, even though I may have a piece of paper that you know, and I labeled my trays, this is tray number one. I don't always want to sit and pull out that piece of paper, going, "What is that?" And okay, so, so you basically mark your rows just like you do like in you your garden. garden. And um, uh, sharpie markers okay, but if you can find a sharpie laundry marker, they're really good. A laundry marker. Yep. Okay. They're called a laundry marker. And and then they make garden markers that are supposed to be just as good, but they take a little more effort to wear out, even outside. Okay. I mean, I have markers that I use every year or, you know, seed row markers and stuff mm -hmm. that uh, the, the marking will stay on it for a couple of years. Okay. And so that's what I use. Um, And then after you plant them, cover them, put your vermiculite on top, then you mist them. And then I put them in my tray and then I put a, a dome on them to help hold the humidity in to help with. And then I, I go put them on my radiator, put them on your seed mat so that they're warm and wait. But then you need to check and, and set your timer up. I oh, I put my lights and my fan on a timer so that that's kind of a, one of part of the automated of my day. So I don't have to do that part. 
but I do have to go check on the water. You know, I check each day, I check my plants. Is anything growing? Does it need to be moved off the seed mat? Does it need a little bit more water? Because it's been, you know, it's dried out. It's been a week or so. You know, so it's just like a just like a kid. You got to check on them all the time. Okay, so you said you have a fan running. Yes, but you have a dome on top of your. Um. Oh. Okay. Explain yeah. the dome, dome and how okay. we work. The I dome. put a dome on when so I plant them, put them in in my seed trays, put the dome on them, and then I put them on my I put them on my radiators. First. I don't have the fan yep. on yet. Okay. And so then I take mine when they sprout. I take them because my rate my radiators is in my dining room, and so that's where I put them. And then once they sprout, I move them back to the basement, put them on my plastic shelving, and then I turn my fan on. Okay, so the so dome is now gone. The, the dome is now gone. So the go- dome is only on there to help keep the moisture, moisture in, so they can yep. sprout and and gotcha. heat and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I gotcha. need somebody to help me ask questions <laughs> so that people understand me and keep them moist. Don't saturate them. You don't want to saturate them because if you if you keep them too wet, they're not they won't get oxygen in their roots and so then they will suffocate basically just like we do with no oxygen i said watering from the bottom once they're up and growing so how do you do that um i use just a watering can Can. anybody can do so this. you so when you say you water from the bottom do you have a tray underneath yes, there and I then am, you fill that tray so that they can just take what they need so you're not watering from the top no not you, after they're up growing i water them from the bottom and I, I don't fill the tray. Like, this is one of those things. This is, it's you, second. I don't even think about it anymore. I never fill it all the way up because they won't use it. I just put a little bit so that the bottom of the, the seed cells that are sitting in the tray can touch it. And then... Um, so it's better to keep it under and maybe water more often yes. than it is to just fill it up and, oh, I don't have to worry about it for two weeks. No, yeah, you'll yep. kill them. Yep. Okay. Stuff, because yeah, that, yeah, that's when you're going to have those saturated plants and they're going to okay. die. Gotcha. So now that you have your plants and they're growing. So it's been two weeks. They're up growing. They've got their, their first set of leaves. Um, I actually wait probably until they're they're a little taller. So now you've got three plants in this little half-inch <laughs> cell. Yep. And so no, I will go in and thin, and I don't pull. I have a little nipper, plant nipper. You could use a craft scissors or whatever. I go in and cut the ones that I don't want. I look and see which one is stronger, which one looks like a better plant, and I cut the ones that um, aren't, aren't as strong. Looking. Okay, so why wouldn't I want to try to go in and break that all up and go, well, I've got three plants. Now I'll just move. I'll take two out of there and put them in new cells. Why wouldn't I want to do that? You can do that. It's a little more time consuming, but not all plants like their roots disturbed. Okay. Like, and so if you do that, you run the risk of killing all three three. instead of just two. Okay. And I know it's hard for us gardeners to kill plants on purpose. <laughs> and that's what my thing is. I was like, but there's three babies. Yep. yep. And so there's not enough space or nutrients there to support three plants. And so you're better off getting rid of two of them so that you have one strong, healthy plant to put outside. Yep. And so that makes, that I know makes it's sense, hard, but it's, it's hard, hard. tourist plant mamas <laughs> or daddies to do that. But that's what we have to do. And then sometimes there's like, oh, what were the plants last year that I grew? There were some flowers. The seeds are so tiny that you can't control how many you put in there. And, oh, yeah. And um, I had 20 plants in one cell. <laughs> and so I just started on the outside of it with my little... <laughs> giving wing. it a haircut. <laughs> yeah, giving it a haircut around it, saying until I got it down to just two or three. And so then you got to, um, once you thin them, and you know, so then you're, you're in the process for four to six weeks, eight weeks. It's probably going to be 10 weeks with my onions and parsley. And so you're just taking care of them. But then when it comes time, it's like, 
oh yay it's 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 time to go outside it's more getting warm enough mm -hmm. um and so you need to what do what they call hardening off you need to adjust your babies to being outside in the elements just like when we have our kids and they're teenagers and they're going to go off you've got to prep them to be pushed out of the nest uh -huh. and so you need to take them outside granted you've been using the fan to, to harden their stems and stuff and so you need to take them outside and you know and get them used to being out in the real world of the real wind and the real sun and stuff but you don't want to do it push them out there and leave them out there for two weeks and they go fly no so you need to so you start out you leave them out there for, um, I do start out and leave them out for like all day. So I'll, I'll take them out in the morning once it warms up and then I will bring them or cover them in the evening. And I have little mini, mini greenhouses that I set out on my, the northeast side of my garage where it will get morning sun, but it gets, the, it's in the shade in the afternoon. So I go out and I put them all out. Once it's warm enough, I put them out in my mini greenhouse and I'll go out and zip it up. And so they stay open all day. So they're getting the wind and everything. They're kind of protected, but then they're getting some of it. And then once it's warm enough, I leave I leave it open all the time. And then that's all I do. Some people insist that you need to put it out, you know, so they're getting the full force. I'm like going, well, I don't have the space. And mm -hmm. when you have, you know, I will probably end up with like 10 trays to pull 10 trays out and sit them on the ground or somewhere all day. And then to put those 10 trays back at night. I don't have time for that. So this is my solution. They're getting some elements and there's some things you can do when you put them out in the garden. You can protect them with, you know, um, you know, milk cans, milk jars. I was going to say my mom used to use the um, metal coffee, coffee, coffee cans. cans. Yep. 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 Coffee cans. So buckets with the bottoms. I've done that. Cut the bottoms out of them and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So there's ways to do that. And so then that's it. And once they've been outside for a week or so adjusting to the, the out, true elements and the weather in your area, then they're ready to go in the ground. And so that's it. You know, that's how I start my seedlings. Um, and I did want to go back and there's, you know, so what if you had seeds that did, if, so if you have a whole batch of, of seeds that don't grow, like you have a row that didn't come up, why? Why did that not grow? And so number one is probably how old are your seeds? I mean, looking at me, I, I need to watch that. Um, because I grew one year just two years ago because um, I took I took a few years off from starting my own seeds mm -hmm. and so I had old seeds and I thought well I'm gonna put them in and see if they grew I had like three tomato varieties that did not grow and so is your how old are your seeds that's the number one number one reason and you can do a germination test which is you know just like we did in kinder or in grade school take a paper towel wet it yep. and put put you know, like 10 is a good number because then it's easy math mm -hmm. you know put 10 seeds out and see how many grows and that will tell you what your rate of germination is. And so if if it's not 100% and you it, but it's 50%, you know you need to double up on your seeds. I would put four seeds in that sale instead of just two or three. Okay. So you you have better odds of um is it warm enough? Is your soil warm enough? Granted in the house that you you're trying to control that, but if you're plant even outside in the garden, did you plant something that didn't grow? Was it warm enough? Was your soil warm enough? If its soil's not warm enough, your seeds not going to grow. Did your soil dry out in the house? I mean, that's the thing out in the garden, too. Carrot seeds are a tough one. If the carrot seed dries out, you lost it. Mm -hmm. If you plant it, water it, and you don't get carrots growing in a week, it dried out too much and you've lost it and you need to replant. And then that's just like some seeds just take longer germinate. Another case inside, um, did you have dampening off? When you've kept your seed too wet and then you end up with a fungus growing on okay. top of it, you will watch it and the, the stem of your plant will just start shrinking and then it'll shrivel up and just fall over. 
the odds are you're keeping it too moist and so you need to be back on it. You're taking good care, too care too good of a care on your plant. Okay. You know, it's like you're you're overfeeding it or overwatering mm-hmm. it. And you can replant it and just start over. And so that's what it is. But then we um we didn't cover legginess. When okay. we were talking about, oh, yes. we talked, we talked about legginess and that is um, when your plant is looking for, it's not getting enough light and it's looking and reaching for the light. So if you are using a window seal, um, one of the easiest ways to um, help that is rotate your plant, you know, every other day or so turn your plant tray so that they're, they have to move back and forth. And so that's another bit of exercising, helping draw, grow stronger stems, but then too, it doesn't, they don't reach so hard. Because if they get too leggy, they're just, they're not going to grow. They're not going to survive. And you basically need to start over. Oh, I know what else. Um, there's another way. I've only done it once and I plan with doing it again is winter sowing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you, I have read a little bit about, about winter so sowing. Winter sowing is where you take a milk carton or a milk jug or a water jug. You know, they make them big enough and you cut them almost, uh, you cut them open, but leave a hinge and you poke drain holes in it, and then you put potting soil. Potting soil, not seed starting soil, because seed starting dries out too much. So you put soil in there, just the same way. Put your moist soil in there, put your seeds on them, cover them, and then you close it up and you tape it shut, usually with like a duct tape, some strong tape, because they're going to have to hold up to the elements outside. And then you take them and you set them outside, preferably a south side of your house, and that's all you do. And what's the time frame for, let's say for our zone, which is 4B. So when would I do, would I do this in January? I'm doing this in the fall. You could, it depends on if you have more time now, you could do it. You could do it now and set them outside. And they, the philosophy is that they're like a plant outside. They will wake up when they're ready to, you know, and, um, and then you want to make sure that it's a plant that can handle um, cold temperatures. So like a tomato and pepper, that you know it's going to get below freezing they won't handle that they'll die but you know if it's pre-annual or if it's an annual they like kale kale that type of snapdragons um a cool season crop that can handle cold temperatures are great candidates for that that's an you know if you don't have the time to sit in putts with you know making sure they have water lights turning off fan to send them outside and the only thing is if you live in a zone that doesn't get enough rain, you may have to come along and water them. You know, check on them every few weeks. Here, I don't think we'd have an issue because we get enough snow because you leave the cap off, leave the cap off. I was just going to say what. So that, that, you know, they will vent. They won't get too okay. hot. Okay. But then if you do have snow, like we have snow out there today, it will get a little snow in there and that will be their little bit of moisture, but they won't get oversaturated as long as you don't put them under an eave that, you know, we'll drown them. That's my issue, putting them someplace where they won't drown because all my south-facing walls of the house have an eave. Okay. So yeah. they, they might drown if I put them right up against the... But um, or right now, I'd have, to di- I'd have to dig out the snow to be able to set them up there. <laughs> True. Because there's drifts on the south side of my house, okay. like two feet deep. Yeah, yeah. That's another way to do it. Any questions? That's Anything you can think of? Okay. I forgot. Let's. Can we go back for a second about your um? If your say your seed doesn't come up in your in okay. your cells, so does planting depth have a on oh, that? Oh yes, yes. Um, your seed packet, wealth of information, um, it will usually tell you how deep to plant them. Otherwise, a general rule is double the size of the seed. So, like a uh, cucumber seed, 
is bigger than like a tomato seed. Mm -hmm. So a tomato seed, you're barely pushing in and, and a cucumber seed, you're going to push in a little harder. Or then you have some flower seeds that are hardly there and you just sprinkle them on the top because they need light to sow. And you don't even need to, you just need to push them into the soil. You don't even need to cover them. Okay. The one I'm thinking of is alyssums. I grow lots of alyssums and you just sprinkle them on, um, at the top of the soil, tap them down very lightly so they're making contact and that's all you do to them. And okay. so that's a general. So double the width of the seed. So that's okay. how you, you know, if the package doesn't say for some reason, that's you don't want to plant them too deep because then they, they may not have enough energy to push up through the soil to the surface. Okay. I thought seed depth made yep. a difference. Yep. Yep. So, so that's like okay. outside. So like a sunflower seed, you're going to plant deeper than you would a radish seed. Anything else you can think of? I may have not No, covered. I don't think so. I think you've covered it pretty covered good. And, 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 I'm, and this is an opinion. <laughs> Everybody what, has one. Yeah, I was going to say, this is what works for you yep. and that you've learned over the course of time. And some things that work for you may not work for yes. somebody else. Yeah, if you're um, in a different zone than me, yeah, you're going to have to learn what your zone is and how to grow in your zone. Mm -hmm. I've always said if I moved, I'd have to relearn how to garden. If I moved out of Minnesota Zone 4, yeah, I'd have to relearn everything. Yeah, well, look the person that commented on our post today that about our ghee, and she asked about pressure canners, and yep. she said she was in Phoenix, Arizona, yep. and she only has a spring and a fall garden. Yeah, because they... Do, actually, that's and, my brother's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, and I just, I'm just like... Well, yep, she, they fry. Yeah. I've talked to Ernie, <laughs> in the summertime, they like fry everything. Yep, so she, she will plant in the fall, and she gardens... She gardens opposites opposites than we do. Mm -hmm. So just, she she's <laughs> gardening right now. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Yeah. It's it's weird to to Texas see somebody kind of same yep. same so thing. What do you mean you don't Southern have California? you don't have a summer garden? You know. Yeah. I mean because that's our mentality. You know yep. here we don't have a winter garden. Yeah. You as, know. You know as they're going into as we're going in and starting to plant, they're finishing up. So it's very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of fun to talk to people who are, you know, in other parts of our country anyway. Because my brother, he lives in Texas and he's like going in the summertime. Yeah. I don't hardly go outside in the sun. You know, I have no grass anymore. It's all burnt up. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, and I'm like, I go, he goes, what's the difference? Okay. You stay in the house all winter. Uh huh. And I stay in the house all summer. And I'm like, yeah. but that just sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like summertime, you're supposed to be outside enjoying the sun. And yep. yeah. Yep. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I think we've covered everything. I think so too. Please, um, if you enjoy our little discussion here, our ramblings, yeah, our little ramblings and learning something, please make sure you give us a, a like, a thumbs up, or a review Beautiful. would be wonderful. Um, please make sure you share us if you enjoy us. We're always looking to have more listeners. And uh, make sure you check us out at... Um, twogalshomesteading.com, Two Gals Homesteading on Facebook. Once again, thank you for tuning in. We'd like to give a special thank you to picosupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time, put some kefir on it. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappis, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. 
The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Transex, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA. 